Welcome to the Synaxis Podcast. A Synaxis is a liturgical gathering. It can also refer to an unveiling event. The Synaxis Podcast is a weekly gathering hosted by yours truly, Scott Jones, for the purpose of finding the life-giving healing word of the gospel and the words of the weekly lectionary passages. Join myself and a guest each week as we explore the lectionary text together. This is the place for gospel-rich, grace-saturated, and a properly worldly lens on the week's lectionary passages, all in 25 minutes or less. My guest is Jeff Holstlaw. He has a PhD in theology from Marquette University and is pastor at Vineyard North Church in Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's an affiliate professor of theology at Northern Seminary and the co-author, along with his wife, of Does God Really Like Me? Discovering the God Who Wants to Be With Us. I give you Jeff Holstlaw. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here. You are a, an Full dis- full disclosure, you're a good friend, and you've written a book with your wife, who I think is one of the best pastors in the country. Not that you're not, not me, the her, just for clarity. You're she both is great. the best. No, I'm okay. I'm average. Maybe slightly above average, but she's the best. You guys are great. And your book is Does God Like Us? Does, does God, God really, Like Me? Dude, it's Does God Really Like Me? Me. Does God Really Like <laughs> Me? Exactly. Or us? Oh, well. It is. You and me, does he like us or she or it or God? God does. God likes God is faithful. Yeah. That's kind of my theme for the text for these texts today. So let's get into it. Faithfulness of God. But also tell our, since you've never been on the podcast, uh, can you just tell us for one minute, like what you do and you and your wife and how you wrote this book? Wait, two minutes. It's fine. Yes. Two, okay, whew, I'm glad I got two minutes instead of one minute. So I have been pastoring in um, Chicago, and now I'm in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I've been pastoring for about 15, 16 years. Um, I'm also a professor at Northern Seminary. The news just broke that we got a new uh, uh, New Testament professor to go along with Scott McKnight. Uh, that's exciting. Uh, so I've Who been teaching the there. Who uh, I always say his name wrong. Um, Ninja... Um, He's a ninja? No, it's his name is it's Ni, Nijay. Nijay. See, I always get it wrong. Nijay Gupta, I believe. He's I in would go Portland. With ninja if I were him, but he probably he's a New Testament ninja. Anyhow, so I've been doing that uh for a while. Um so I've written a couple books and um I have two teenage kids. Uh we also have our own podcast, the God with us podcast that my wife and I do together. It's very popular kind of level. We're trying to kind of bring it down the low, the low shelf for the people. And, um, yeah, I've known you for a long time. It's a shame that I've like not been on this podcast. He's asked me a billion times and I keep not doing it, but I'm glad yeah, to be I on today. It. You're great glad guy. to be on today. We've been friends for like, I used to use a job reference this year. And like my reference is how long have you known Scott? 17 years. I was like, we're not that old. <laughs> <laughs> I know, dude. You know, you're getting old when you're like, 2002 wasn't that long ago, right, bro? And you're like, Bruh. dude, dude, that's like forever ago. And I have teenagers and blah, blah. So blah. everyone should buy your book. Um, I, 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 well, it's interesting because I actually think it's, especially among evangelical circles, there's not a lot of things that, like, most things divide and play off things. And you guys have an inclusive message about the God of love and relationship and covenant and communion. It's fantastic. It's really just a covert like biblical theology of God's presence and how God is always moving toward us. 
And it's us who kind of put up all these barriers and God's always breaking them down. And so it's kind of like a cope for evangelicals. It's a covert, like Christus Victor kind of understanding of the atonement. It's a way of, you know, I don't know how many like full on Calvinistic reformed people listen to this, maybe a lot, but it's very uh, ecumenical. We it's very ecumenical. So the certain segments of reformed theology, I love, but certain like really Calvinistic and, um, like the super conservative anyways, it's kind of like a covert, like taking shots at a lot of that kind of sovereign God, a God is distant. God is, you know, so it's much more just about our personal experiences and kind of a new way of reading the Bible, which is all about God's presence. I like it. So let's talk about Isaiah 49, one through seven. Here we have this, you know, the prophet saying, listen to me, everybody. Uh, oh, coastlands pay attention the Lord called me before I was born and my mother's womb, he named me. So there's this sort of, they're in exile and yet they're like, the prophet is telling them the Lord's word for them, right? Is like, I like you. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, it's one of those kind of, I think not as, um, overt, but like the prophetic calling kind of, um, pieces where you get that in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Um, but you know, here, Isaiah, kind of in the, one, of, one of the servant's passages, you know, saying like, God has called me. He's called me for this, this work. And then he has doubts, you know, and he says uh, later on, he's like, but I have labored in vain. I've spent my strength on nothing and on vanities, you know, but I will trust in God. So there's this guy, I think all of us, you know, pastors, laborers were like, God's called me and I have wasted my life and I suck or I'm not that great. So I think at least for us preachers, the beginning and, and you're three in the Enneagram, which for people who've never taken it or don't like it, like that's the achiever. It's the kind of person that like really likes to kind of know they're achieving stuff. And that's what's challenging, right? Like, because for a three, this is gonna be the worst text. Like, hey, <laughs> what happened? Am I achieving anything? Oh yeah, for sure. For sure is my labor in vain. The thing that really stood out to me in this passage, though, was the kind of the universalizing of the mission. Um, so you get all these, uh, this is what I always wonder about, especially in Isaiah, but just the old Testament, how there's always the, the struggle between the, the universal and the particular. So there's this, like the, the particular, the, the Isaiah servant is a particular person called to a particular people. And his mission is to gather in God's people again, but then you get this, but I will give you as a light to the nations and my salvation will reach to the end of the earth. So there's always these two things going on in God's mission. And I, you know, and that's, you know. I, I think for me personally, for me, that's always, it brings me comfort back to a three of like, I have all this stuff going on in my life or things I want to achieve or things I feel like I failed at. So this is like my particular life, but then there's a kind of like the universal, like there's the mission that God's doing light to the nation, salvation to the ends of the earth. Like God's doing something, you know, same, like the, it brings to mind, like the Joseph kind of like what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It's kind of like God's always working on these multiple levels in all of our lives. And so, and it's uh, ultimately God's act of faithfulness, which is what I was kind of getting at the last. Sorry, I'm like jumping all over this this passage. I really like it, though. The last verse is, King shall see and stand up and princes, and they shall prostrate themselves because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So it's God is faithful. I love that. And I love this, like, I always think of the end of Return of the King, right? Like, the in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. And it says, like, in the beginning of the trilogy, this is a story about hobbits. But it's not. It's a story about the salvation of the cosmos. Exactly. But it starts so particular. And then when everybody bows, and all through the story, what are hobbits? They don't even know what hobbits are. And then Aragorn and his wife, like, 
they're like it's it's the wedding supper of the lamb like or, or proliptically you know a foretaste of it and everybody bows and they see the hobbits and they go to bow and like no we shall bow to you mm-hmm. and that's like i feel like jared tolkien's trying to tell israel how someday the nations will bow to the most particular and small nation which god only works through particularity for the universal yeah absolutely Funny that you just brought that up, though, Lord of the Rings. I just saw uh, someone posted a Babylon B uh, article about pastoral interventions. Friends came in and had to intervene because uh, their preacher was bringing Lord of the Rings into every single sermon every single week. I must never quote it. <laughs> I, love I just it. read that right before I got on. So, so we might need an intervention for Scott Jones. So if anybody out there Those guys is hearing this as a cry for help, uh, I will join you and we can head over to Scott's, uh, you know, this weekend. Let's move on to first Corinthians one verses one through nine to this, to the church of God in Corinth, who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with everybody. This is, you know, I always think when people say, we want to get back to New Testament Christianity. We're going to pray to the Lord to be a New Testament church. Don't pray it too quickly, because you might become the church of Corinth. New Testament church, <laughs> pre-Constantine. <laughs> I mean, and then Paul, like, it, it's interesting, like, I think you would want to lay into them because they're terrible. They're the worst at being a church. And he's like, I thank God for you. You're on a journey. It's amazing. It, it, it's it, 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 the Apostle Paul, the patience here. It, I, I'm sure he was not actually that patient because he, you know, they narrated these letters like he's probably scribes like Paul, tone it down, tone it down, tone it down. <laughs> yeah, but he, I mean, maybe he added this at the end. We're like, hey, we're going to yeah. be a little softer. We should say we should say we're great. You're great. You're great. You're the you're the best Christians. You're fantastic. <laughs> he does say that. He's like, in every way, in every way, you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, of every night, of every, every kind. kind. Every kind of speech. Every kind of knowledge. It's, it's fantastic. You're not lacking in any spiritual gift. Nothing. But this is the freedom of Christianity, right? Like, it, it takes the wrong kind of, it, it takes the wrong kind of pressure off and puts the right kind of pressure on. Like, in the sense of, you're free and now you have the challenge of living free. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this beginning part is kind of a a study in pastoral method. I think, you know, it's kind of like the sandwich mentality. It's like, Hey, you know, say the, the, the top bun is, you know, affirm, affirm, affirm. Then you got the meat, which is the, the knuckle sandwich or whatever. And then the bottom, you know, is the closing. Uh, and he does that. Like the whole time I was reading this, I was like, dude, that was such a nice way to start because you totally rip into them (laughs) later. But I think uh, for me, the, the the two things that were standing out based on the Isaiah passage is, is Paul is really speaking to the fulfillment of the Isaiah passage. He's writing a letter to the Corinthian church, which is gathering Jews and Gentiles together, right? And so the mission of the anointed one of Isaiah's servant now has come to fruition. The light and salvation have come to all people. And that's what he says, uh, together with those in every place that call on the name of the Lord. And so the mission is being fulfilled and he ends it. Um, that Do you again. think Paul thought though, like, I thought it was going to look better than this. Like <laughs> probably it's not sleeping with their mother-in-laws, all this stuff. Like, or they're like, like there's like, he's like, you guys, the sexual morality, you make the sexual moral blush. I thought you guys were going to be better at this. <laughs> <laughs> probably. I- I'm sure he is like, 
uh, you know, he's probably rehearsing the ideal narrative of scripture in his mind. He's like, oh yeah, the lion and the lamb. I mean, I got to deal with all these Corinthians, but eschatological the lion and the lamb. <laughs> he's probably, he's doing what we need to do, right? Like, I got to remember the big picture because man, otherwise I don't know how I could minister to this church because Corinth is so screwed up. Um, so yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you. Do you think his scriber was like, Paul, minister yourself, dude. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> Pastor yourself, Paul. Pastor yourself. Yeah, or, or let Christ pass. He must have been a trip to know. I mean, I would love to be one. Of, you know, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know if I would have wanted to hang out with him. So who knows? Yeah, Bar- know. Barnabas what couldn't do, take it. Do you think? I I don't know. I'm not sure either. if I would have, would have wanted to hang out with Paul or not. I don't I know think, if I would. I, I think I would have liked Luther sans like you know anti-Semitism. Ah, I don't know. <laughs> you, you can't take. You know, he's a medieval guy. Like you can't do that with people. <laughs> I know that's so true. But like, so oh, this man. is interesting. Like, if you were going to preach this, what would you do with that? With just this passage, or yeah. the whole or the whole group of them? No, First Corinthians. Just say like, if somebody's like honing in on this passage, what would you do with that? I think the last verse is for me the the the, the money the money verse. God is faithful. By him, you were called into the fellowship of the son. So there's the faithfulness of God and there's the fellowship of the son. And that's like, that's what we're doing here, right? Yeah. Uh, We're relying on God. So no matter how screwed up, you know, Paul is, you know, if he's a screwed up guy, he is, right? Uh, No matter how screwed up Corinth is, no matter how screwed up all these other churches that he's ministering to, the road, you know, even all these challenges. You know what you say to the reformed people? How reformed are you? Can you say Paul is totally depraved? Yeah, right? Paul? What does that mean about his writings then? Ooh, just kidding. Or not kidding. So th- that's, 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 that's <laughs> we're going to go into a whole doctor script wow. here, right? Wow. <laughs> no, wow. He, he was inspired. So just those moments he was inspired. So, but that's, that's where it is for me. Where, where, where is it? Where is it for you? Uh, what's yeah, the I money, don't, what's the I money don't know what I would do with this text. I mean, I think I would probably talk about like, yeah, no, I would do what you did. Like and God is faithful. And this thing is like, what God says about us is true about us, and the challenge is believing it. Like it, it's it's like Jean Valjean in Les Misérables, when like I mm-hmm. bought your soul, now go be a better person or be a different person. Mm-hmm. And it takes a long time for him to live into it, but like it's you know, it, I think the gospel is all about like once and for all. Like we're justified once, we're baptized once, we're saved once. Like what? And yet again and again, like. We revisit our baptism. We revisit salvation. We're, and then also higher and deeper. And I think the higher and deeper only ever comes from the again and again. Like, but, but the again and again goes back to the once for all. It's all about, and like Paul's saying, everything when you're saved is in Christ. It's like an acorn to an oak tree. Everything's there, but we just kind of like, and the way it plays out and timing is so frustrating and agonizing. And, and and yet, like he's saying to them, like, I believe this about you, too, even if the tree looks like it's not growing. Right. Right. Well, and that's where the faith, especially with the Corinthian church, like, is this, is this where's the fruit? And so Paul's just reminding the faithfulness. And I'm, I'm just thinking, like, you know, we need to, like, a lot of times there's like, what's the center in Pauline theology? Is it Galatians? Is it Romans? Is it justification? Is it? righteousness and these types of things. And for me, I'm just more open about it. Paul was like a contextual or a missional theologian who's writing to people in different spaces. And I think, um, you know, at the beginning of Romans, it talks about how the righteousness of God is being revealed and you get justification, these types of things. But here, this is the faithfulness of God is being revealed. And so this is like one of the core, you know, the core statement in his mind is he's writing to this predominantly 
pagan and um, kind of church is God's faithfulness to all these people gathering them into fellowship. And I think that's a, that's a very um, comforting. I, I've been in my mind thinking about like, what's the new, the new social cultural context, you know, in America and what's the message that needs to be spoken into it. And I think we're very much like Corinth. And so remembering that God is faithful. The more um, things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, for sure. Let's move on to the gospel reading, John 1, 29-42. Here we go. It's interesting because I had a guest preacher yesterday who preached me under the table, Dave Hill. Um, shout out to Dave Hill. What a great... He's, but he made this point about Baptism Sunday. It's It's... The baptism of the Lord, like there's only, it's one of the few things all the gospelers, even John mentioned, and this also doctrine of scripture, like a lot of evangelicals sometimes, and look, some of my best friends, I'm an evangelical, I would guess, I hope. Amen. But a lot of people have a kind of view of scripture that's Quranic almost, like like the, if we're in a religious dialogue, the dialogue is not the Bible versus the Quran, it's Christ and Quran, because the Quran is the eternal word of God. Christ is the eternal word of God. Right. And the Bible bears witness to the eternal word. But this is one of the things. So all these perspectives, because we need so many perspectives to deal with it, 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 the Savior on earth. I mean, one perspective can't handle it. This is one of the stories, though, that like they all put in, which is interesting. The baptism of Jesus, you mean? Yeah. And we get this kind of after the fact. Don't you think editors like Bill Maher says this really like, oh, virgin birth, take that out. That's not good. <laughs> Nobody's going to care about that. Yeah. But so now you're more liturgically calendar oriented. Now, how come this text gets read after the baptism text from last week? Well, what the, how does this fit together? What the preacher said is John the Baptist. Like, we just need more John the Baptist. But it, it, like, we always need this because he told this great story about how after they clean up Christmas in their house, they put Jesus in an attic. It's very convenient. But then he drags the Christmas tree up, but there's these little pine needles in the runner of his slider door because Christ will not let us forget that he's been here. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like John the Baptist is so great. Like, he always reminds us, like, man, there's an urgency to this. Like, God touched down and has been with us, and he likes us, as your book said. Like, mm -hmm. So this should change the way we view things. That's why I feel the church is, like, in epiphany, like, you got to go with John the Baptist. What do you mean by go with John the Baptist? Tell me more about that. Are we supposed to be, because aren't we supposed to, well, anyways, what do you mean by go with John the Baptist? I know we're to winding Jesus. down on time. Oh, to Jesus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go with John. Like, like you go to Jesus and you realize what you're lacking, mm -hmm. but also like, but also like what you have too, like God really does like us. And so like, like John was incomplete, but was partly right. I mean, he had it. He had it. Right. God liked him. <laughs> Amen gave him a special portion of the spirit. So while you were talking like this just came to me about the witness thing about witnessing to the word. It is John does this a couple times, you know, it's probably he's probably playing with the synoptics and trying to think through the message there. But he he doesn't give us the baptism, right? He just gives us the testimony or the witness of John to the baptism of Jesus. And he said, you know, he says these are the things that happened. I saw the dove and then I had been told that the one whom the spirit descends upon will be baptized by the Holy spirit. And that's why I testify or witness 
to this being the son of God. And so, and I think John's whole gospel is structured around witnesses about people witnessing. And so this is one of those ways where he doesn't just tell you outright, but he's kind of giving it again. Like we don't get the baptism. We just get the report of John about the baptism. Yeah. And also everyone confused John with Jesus. And you know, it's interesting. Paul Zoll, I've told this story many times on this podcast, I think, but when I was reading Paul Zoll's book, The First Christian, he says the most radical thing. I, I never read this before I read this book. He says, John's gospel was not yet, but soon. And Jesus was now already, but not yet, which makes the space for uh, saint and sinner, the doctrine of grace that we can work for justice and yet not be uh, like zealots in a way that like we have to hurt people for justice. It, it makes like Jesus simple changing of the message of John changes everything. And, 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 and there's, I think there's nothing more intellectually radical than the eschatological vision of Jesus. Cause it's already not yet that we find in John specifically that no, that he, well, he corrects with John. <laughs> like, I mean, John, John is yeah. the forerunner. Like he says, Hey, not yet, but soon. And Jesus, he looks at, at Jesus says, now it's hit. Yeah. And then yeah. he's always like, you know, Jesus, but he's still not sure what yeah, he's it like, is. No, no. And then, and he had better disciples than Jesus. His disciples stuck around. Like <laughs> he had a better basketball team, like better PR director. Yeah. He was on message, you know? Yep. For sure. But Jesus makes so much space for ambiguity and the truth. Like it, it it's here and not yet. Like, so you, so these things are not opposed. Like the tension is where the truth is. Well, I think just to kind of come back to the text, I know our time is winding down, but the, the tension and the multiple layers we even get in this text, just like you're mentioning, like Jesus is called twice the lamb of God. So what, who takes away the sin of the world? So what does that mean? He's called once the son of God. You know, what does that mean? What does that mean in John? What does that mean for us? And then he's also called the Messiah. So we have these multiple layers of like attribution of who Jesus is and what his ministry is coming on the lips of John or his, his disciple. Cause the last one is from Simon. We have found the Messiah. And so how do these things fit together that Jesus is the lamb who takes away the sin of the world? Is that part of the prophecy of salvation to all the Gentiles? He's the Messiah. So that's again, the particular uh, messianic um, kind of, you know, Israelite kind of hope, son of God, that's universal. So how do these things kind of fit together? Um, it's a, it's, it's a lot to kind of struggle through and to find out, you know, what is the theme? Um, and I also think like something about, it's gotta be like the book of revelation, which is in this whole tradition, right? I mean, obviously, well, not obviously, I mean, most people, I don't think about this very much. Revelation's connected to the book of John and the lamb does what a lion can do, but he can only do it being a lamb. Like he, mm -hmm. The lamb can only, like, you think a lion can bring salvation, but it's only the lamb that can do it. Like, it, it, you know, and the lion and the lamb are the same person. It's revealed, but like, it, it's like in physics, you think, oh, well, y you learn, well, everything's a particle or a wave, but then you're like, well, light's a wavicle. <laughs> <laughs> but then the other thing I want to ask you, okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot. So that, this reading is so interesting. When we have all these Christological disciples, then, um, Andrew brings Peter, well, it's just Simon, son of John, you're going to be called Rocky, right? Which is the opposite. Like, like it, it's like, this is the guy that's a spaz. He's a nut job. He's, he's never going to be stable. And he says, hey, God likes you this much. 
your new name is right. What would your name be? Like, if God could rename you, what would it be? I don't know. Don't I have to wait for uh, someone else to rename me? I can't give myself my own name. You should. You you'd be the one. You'd humble. be the one. <laughs> You're a humble guy. Ah, appreciate it. Don't you don't live in my head though, but I appreciate it. You're very humble. So, what does Jesus's calling of Peter? How does that add to the other? You know, because we're getting three different names for Jesus, and then you also get a naming of Peter. Like, what do you think John's the, the gospel writer John? What do you think he's doing there? Put smashing all that together because he's. I think he's such a skilled writer that that can't be on accident. I hadn't thought about that till now. I think. I think John saying Jesus doesn't look like this. Like Jesus doesn't look like the Lamb of God, which is later going to be the line of. He doesn't look like the presence of glory on earth. And the solution to all of our problems. He doesn't. But you're going to see that he is. And you're going to be like, oh my God, like, he's my God. He was Jesus and others, now he's God. And also, he's going to rename you the same way. Like, you mm-hmm. don't think mm-hmm. you're, you have this big part in the story, but you do. And it, it's probably not the part you want or you imagined. Or even if it is what you want to imagine, it's going to be reinvented. Like, But like, once you confess that Jesus is the lion, the lamb, the lamb of God who brings salvation to the world, it, it has implications for you because it's going to involve you being renamed and re-identified and restored. Mm, that's such a good preaching, but also just pastoral moment. So the reader and all of us are being caught up in, I was going to be all like philosophical, the play of signifiers, right? But we're caught up, like Jesus has named multiple things, but it's hard to know what those things mean. And then we ourselves through Peter are being caught up, like we're actually getting new names, we're getting new identities. So when we come close to Jesus, what we understand about him is going to be in flux, but also what we understand about ourselves are going to, are going to come into a new alignment. That's beautiful, Scott. I love that. Well, you're beautiful. And thanks for doing this. Are you preaching this week or no? I am not preaching this week. Well, you'll be a I listener, a couple like weeks. many of our listeners, and also blessings to listeners, preachers, and thank you for doing this, man. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to do it again. You, you'll be We'll back. give it up to the, the listeners, you know, hit hit up Scott if this has been helpful. Fa- uh, like Jeff's website, Twitter, everything, Facebook. He's the greatest guy in the world, and he will write back to you. Yeah, that's right. And because Scott said it wrong multiple times, it's, does God really like me? I just had to throw that in there. Does God really like me? And he does. There we go. Does. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Synaxis podcast. If you like what you heard, please go to iTunes, give it a rating, write a review, and subscribe or pass it along to a friend via email or say something about it on social media. All of those things help so much as we're just getting off the ground. Thanks to Jeff for coming on the podcast. And thanks again to you for listening to Snacks. Until next time, friends, fare thee well.